this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. Got it. Okay. So we just have to record that whole thing all over again. No big deal. Oh, sure. On it. No. What were we talking about? I don't know. Um, We could do another one that's more. Well, what I was thinking is we could do another one that's more focused if you want. It sounds like. Okay. So here, talk into your mic. Let's do a little test one, two. Test, test. One, two, one, two. What's your your favorite kind of um, monkey based animal? Monkey based animal. Right. Um, uh, that's like another way of saying like what's your favorite kind of monkey like what's your favorite animal monkey. that is a monkey <laughs> I uh, I don't know I guess um, chimpanzee is the only thing that sort of pops in my head right now right um, I don't right. know why someone's really they're... angry that you confused monkeys with um, with apes with but, apes yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well you weren't that specific yeah, no, I mean, it's fine. I'm teasing. Yeah, I have no idea. Okay, uh, right, we're going to stop it real quick. All right, so uh, welcome to Feature Creep, colon, built-in microwave, semicolon, uh, one more time. <laughs> yeah, well, no, so we, we recorded a whole podcast, which I will hopefully be able to recover, and we will also publish, but... Um, it, it was, was our best one yet. It was our best. Actually, we just recorded the most epic podcast ever, and hopefully it will have be recoverable, but the... <laughs> Um, the sample rate of the recording device was askew, and so it sounds pretty funky. Um, anyway, not in a good way. Not not in a good way. I mean, I don't know. Someone out there is like, man, that is the sound I've been looking for. <laughs> uh, we were very sultry. Yeah, we were. We were definitely very sultry. <laughs> this actually also sounds better in my headphones. I think a little better. I don't know. Anyway. Um, uh, yeah, actually. Yeah. Now that I hear myself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I figured uh, it out. Yeah, yeah, so um, we're no longer sultry, right? Now we're good. So, I all right. Let's let's just kind of focus in here, and we're going to talk about design specifically, like kind of some sort of. So, like, you actually teach now. The stuff you teach is more um, practical, like how to use software and things. Like, or do you no. actually? Do you, well, yeah. I'm curious what you teach in your yeah. courses. Like, you have. Some. I did. Uh, I did teach a class. Um, <clears throat> last a year ago on uh it's called environmental graphic design oh cool and it okay. was it was design it was like a design course yeah, like right. we were, uh, i had a project for the students to design um a thing and we went through the whole course you know to um to do that and uh, that was a lot of fun yeah i really enjoyed it yeah um the sort of creative freedom uh of that kind of course was was a lot of fun yeah you know, the students aren't worried about budgets or uh, dealing with clients or anything sure, like that. So right. it's just sort of like free range, do whatever the heck you want. Sure, and right. if it's interesting, then Hey, yeah. you get an A. <laughs> right. Right. So you're um, like, you know, dream big. So like these, these of, 30 foot letters that are going to sit on this hillside are, yeah. And be like totally electrified in, in spark yeah. out uh, fireworks or whatever. Right. Um, this yeah. anti-gravity element right yeah. here is a little <laughs> hand wavy, but it's going to look cool. I promise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was uh, a lot of fun, but um, uh, but I've I've since started teaching at another uh, uh, school, and now I'm uh, teaching a class that is software 
base. So it's uh, it's um, SketchUp, Photoshop, oh. and InDesign. Gotcha. And how to use okay. those three programs to um, create a presentation uh, board. Okay. So it's a little bit more dry. It's like, here's how you use the program. Right. And right. I'm not really looking at design because they're like sophomores. They haven't really got their design skills going yet. Gotcha. Uh, you know, okay. the processes. So right. there's some design to it, but it's mostly like, sure. here's how you use sure. the software. So if you're, yeah. um, you know, all right. So, you know, not that that isn't a valid class, but looking at your environmental course that you were, you know, looking at um, or teaching, what what are kind of like some fundamentals? Like how would you, like how would you basically start out a course like that? Like what, what are some basic places that you need all your students? Like what's the page everybody needs to be on to like kind of start a course like that? Um, I mean, once uh, they've started everybody, the page they have to be on is you're in the class, but now that you're in the class, like where do you, how do you get everybody on the same page? Like what is the thing that you kind of like do there? I guess. But, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, software is sort of the, the base Okay. The basics, sure. like everyone's right. got to know how to use the software to to generate the visual okay. presentation sure. of the thing, right? Um, and that was sort of the the base. So when I was teaching that class, like most students had that mm-hmm. kind of understanding, right? Um, but also from like a design standpoint, it was like uh, how to generate ideas, yeah, um, through sketching or. Um, uh, research and uh, you know pulling up inspiration images and things like that like how to how to come up with your ideas and then how to uh, distill those ideas into something that could work right and pick your like top three and then and then how do you visually represent those ideas like right. that's where those sort of fundamentals are kind of covered in the beginning courses of of uh, design education mm-hmm. or they sort of learn how to uh, come up with ideas for logo maybe, and then learn how to sort of refine those ideas and then put them into a presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really have to spend a lot of time like trying to get them through that. It was mostly like your client has come to you with this. Um, uh, they want to put a mural on the side of their building. Okay. And this is what the the company is all about. And so you have to somehow, come up with an idea for a mural that is both eye-catching and interesting, but also kind of speaks to the brand and and what that company is about. Right. Right. Um, and that's sort of like all I would really give them and then, you know, sort of have them do a bunch of sketches. We come back, we talk about it. Yeah. We go back, refine them. Right. Right. Talk about it. Right. And then, um, you know, sort of that, again, that sort of iterative process of sure. Uh, have some ideas, come back, Think about it again, right? Refine those, come back, you know, do it a couple times, right? Right. Um, yeah. So that was kind of like it was kind of a thing. Like they, they sort of had experience at that point on how to go through that process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now it was just like, well, here's another example of how you use that process oh, of okay. design. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a few of those laid out for the semester. Like the mural thing was one. Um, I did one project with students to come up with, uh, a wayfinding signage system for campus. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, design a system of signs that they would put up on campus to help direct students to certain buildings. Oh, okay. And they have sure. to sort of figure out like where are students going to like have to make that decision? You know, like they come to a point and it's like, oh, I can go right or I can go left. 
oh, what's right and what's left. And that's where you need to put a sign and right. try to help them out. Right. Um, so that was another project. And then we also sort of started working on this idea of augmented reality okay. and virtual reality and yeah. how, how that kind of system could help people find their way around campus or um, understand what's in certain buildings on campus. Sure. Um, yeah. So uh, that was kind of fun. So I just essentially was like, you know, you have, you know, come up with your, uh, your um, personas, people that are going to use this system mm -hmm. and try to figure out how to get them from point A to point B with a virtual reality kind of system, you know, oh, like gotcha. someone arrives on campus and they have to get to the uh, administration building, mm -hmm. you know, how can you take them from that single point where they enter campus right. and get them to that building? Right. With just a virtual reality sort of experience, the um, that seems like a a difficult problem um, in some ways, especially like the you know not even having the the, the virtual reality gives you a lot of opportunity, right? Like, or the mm -hmm. sort of augmented reality gives you a lot of opportunity to um, customize your signage, so to speak, or the indicators, and like the indicators can be much different. Mm -hmm. um, but when you have to put signs up that have to apply to everybody um it can get real overloaded really quickly right like oh sure you know, what do you how much information is enough and then how much do you leave out and is it okay to leave that out and i mean mm -hmm. i think we've all kind of i think we've all experienced a situation where it's like well whoever designed the signage in this area did a really poor job um you know, it's not, it's not nearly enough or it's, it's yeah. way too much and it's very confusing and I'm really struggling to like get from where I need to be to where I need to go. Um, right. Yeah. You don't have to look far to find bad examples. And yeah, I tell them that all the time when I, when I start the class, you know, it's yeah. like, uh, once you start thinking about these things, you'll never look at, uh, the, the world the same way again, like right, everything, right. Uh, everything you're going to scrutinize and be like, well, wait, that's not right. Like that's yeah. look, look, that doesn't look good. Yeah. Um, well that doesn't work. You know? Yeah. Like it's not um, even forget about whether it looks good. It's like, that's just not working. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and we've all had that experience, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and, uh, same thing with, with every class I had, like the students that came into the class, it's like, I could start that and everyone would be like, oh yeah, I had that experience the other day or like, right. Right. You know, I go to this mall all the time and I always have this trouble. Um, so you kind of, uh, it's kind of neat to start from that point. Sure. It's like, yeah. you know what the problem is. You guys have all seen it. Right. So now we can think about ways to fix it. Right. Um, right. And think of new systems that could help alleviate yeah. some of those, uh, some of those issues. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That's pretty cool. That's a, um, <clears throat> seems like it would be a, a interesting course to teach or just to be involved yeah. in. Like, yeah. Like it's, that. it's fun. I always enjoyed, um, thinking about design in public spaces. Yeah. Um, because when I was going to school, I, uh, you know, most design curriculum starts with like how to create a logo and how to apply it to, uh, a brochure or a website or something like that. You know, sure. Something yeah. that exists as like this little, um, object. But I, I found it more interesting to, um, to work in the public space and to make things that uh, people experience in, yeah. in the environment, you know, like right, right. how can I design something that helps somebody uh, have a better experience in a certain place? So that was always more interesting to me. Um, and I think, um, 
don't know, I think the students, uh, I think it sort of helped the students broaden their idea of what design is or what it could be. Sure. Um, sure. to have that kind of class. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah it was a lot cool. of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I miss teaching that class actually. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Someday I'll teach it again. Yeah, I suppose that's kind of the way it goes. It's like yeah. you know what's in demand and what what can you afford to spend your time doing and right all of those you know right designing yeah. your own life and making sure that's all working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, so that's a um, you know kind of having those fundamentals of like like you said like so you so your students are kind of starting that class um, kind of coming in with at least some fundamental understanding of of some basic design elements as far as visual design um Mm -hmm. and then you're you're expanding you're putting that in context you're basically like it it says in the title like it's in environmental design so you're kind of putting it in a context and saying okay but now apply those same principles Mm -hmm. at this this second stage of this second layer of context right it's not just like a logo sitting there with nothing or you know, mm-hmm. know, this is like, you know, signage in a particular, like on a campus or in a park or, you know, somewhere downtown or whatever it is, like, mm-hmm. you know, letting people know how to get around or what, you know, what's available. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I find that, um, it's, it's funny how all of those things like sort of blend together and like find different, you know, like you have, you know, we have signage for roads and we have whole systems for like in the U S like all of our road systems have like, there's a lot of regulation Mm-hmm. around how signs work for around the, the roads and things. And then you've got some private institution, whether it's like a private campus or even a public campus, like our, you know, like a state school or something. It's still relatively like it's up to them how they do it. It's less regulated. There's some, there's some regulation, like you have to have fire exits clearly marked for any kind of public building and all of that stuff. Right. But, um, <clears throat> it is interesting to me how, how those things kind of blend together because in some ways they're also kind of a form of advertising, right? I mean, advertising is like attempting to be like, Hey, this way to find this thing, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and where you get into trouble is when, when it's not true. Right. Right. Um, but then the question <laughs> is, well, what is true? Right. I mean, a lot of people are like, well, it's true enough. Like I believe it's that way. And then I get there and I'm like, this is not at all what I was expecting. And you know, all of that expectation. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just find that it's such a, it's interesting to me how, how all of these things are like really tied together. Like people, you know, it's like very common to just be like, well, let's put some discrete boxes down and be like, well, that's design, but this is not design. This is something else. This is engineering or this is that. And, you know, and it's in reality, it's like, you could just as easily say like all, all design, you know, all things Mm -hmm. are design of some kind, or you could kind of go the other way and be like, Oh, design is like very like math heavy, or it's like very this, if you want it to be like, it's not um, right. You know? uh, Yeah. We, we deal with that all the time. I think, because the kind of work that I do is, um, it's architectural, but mm-hmm. also there's engineering involved. We have to engineer these things so they don't fall over on people, right? Um, yeah. your, but there your is safety sign isn't is safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and then there's also, I mean, like you said, there's a lot of codes and regulations. There's you know California Building Code. There's um, sure. international building codes. There's, uh, you know, for highways, there's, um, certain codes and ordinances for highways, right? What kind of signs, how big they can be, right? Um, even how big the lettering is supposed to be. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's this whole thing with, uh, with ADA and making sure that signs are legible and, and readable yeah, by those yeah. with disabilities and things right. like that. Um, so we have to follow all those codes and regulations. But, uh, what I find so interesting about it is like, trying to find ways to make 
the sign um, visually attractive, but mm-hmm. also, like you say, like if we're designing a sign system for like a corporate headquarters, making sure that that sign system now also in some way kind of reflects the brand of that company. Right. Because it's part right. of the experience. Like, right. Right. It's part of the visitor experience, the customer experience to to use these signs, but also they're part of the visual landscape. So they have to like be a part of that visual experience and why not make it a reflection of the brand and another reinforcement of, right. Um, right. That. It's an opportunity. It's one more opportunity to, to convey more of a message than just the information that's on the sign mm-hmm. or to add to that. Yeah. 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 And sort of be a part of this holistic experience that someone has. Um, you know, I always, I always, when I when I talk to my students about this kind of design, I always immediately go to Disneyland as like the sure. prime example of how um, even the most mundane piece of furniture or uh, you know even the the signs in Disneyland, yeah, like they've thought about everything. Every piece of that park is designed to be a part of that experience, right? And even right. like the the stupid little little signs are all designed to fit within sure. that right uh, like whatever, i mean that fantasy land yeah like whatever. if you're in fantasy land it's like the chairs at the cafe are going to have some element that ties mm-hmm. it into that concept yeah and they're not going to be starships right or rockets right yeah or just be in, some boring wooden chair that yeah has yeah. nothing to do with where right. you're where you're sitting and i think it's, you know, it's right. all part of that experience it's all part of creating a world that you can kind of envelop yourself in right and um have a real strong connection with right that brand you know obviously in that case it's disney sure and they want you to sort of have this this big life-changing experience and right so all right. these little details and they they want you to be able to walk into that storyland right like it's mm-hmm. like you're there and when you're in one when you're in um fantasy land or whatever like you're going to have they want you to be thinking about that and seeing that and feeling that and yeah like right i mean i think that as a child that was always what was magical about disneyland mm-hmm. i think that's why um a lot of people who have didn't experience disneyland as children don't it's terrible like it's it, it's such an overpacked experience and it's a lot of like right it, it i understand why people don't like it but I think it's sad that they haven't had that opportunity to experience it like at the childhood mm-hmm. level of like you're looking at it and it's like this is a very magical place. And it's not it's because of that detail. Right. It's not it's not because I've been hyped or marketed to me. It's like when I go there and as a child I'm looking at like every bit of railing is this like heavily text textured mm-hmm. like experience that's unique to that place. And it's like everything is like very um, it's this entirely different reality that they've created mm-hmm. by like, you know, every stone is purposely placed. Everything there is done in a way that they're trying to convey some imaging imagery or right. experience to you. Right. Like you've um, been transported to another land. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most of their rides and things are like, like the old ones are the ones I've really enjoyed. Like, you know, I enjoy the most in some ways because you can see like the rudimentary like elements that they've, or, the techniques, the very simple techniques they've used to create the illusion of that, 
You know, like mm-hmm. you ride on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, and it's like it's a pretty simple car ride, like a fixed rail ride through some, you know, pretty simple props and things, and 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 yet, like the overall experience is like very much that brand, as you would say, or like mm-hmm. that experience. Or um, they used to have the People Movers, which was like in the Land of Tomorrow, oh, and yeah. it was like it used to, and that was like they just employed these like very simple like like optical illusions, and then they, but they, it was just so futuristic at the time. And like mm-hmm. thinking back, I'm like, man, it was just such a fun ride, even though it was like literally like sitting in a golf cart going around looking at some lights. Right. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 It, I mean, I still think that's one of the greatest examples of design of many different, you know, many different facets of design. Like, right. Yeah. Uh, industrial design, graphic design, architecture, yep. um, right. engineering, yeah. all that sort of stuff is all brought together. Uh, to create that experience. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've run, I, you know, I, I forget, were you, did you do much drama in high school? Oh, we yeah. went to high school together. If anybody's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if anyone cares, if anyone cares, we did um, not actually go together in a sense because we went to the same high school at the same time. Right. We did not really hang out. No, I was no. pretty busy not being in school most of the time. <laughs> anyway, Christian, I was um, going to ask you, like, it strikes was, me, yeah. it strikes me as, um, uh, you, right, you were in drama, and then um, yeah, I was in the stage the pro- crew. Stage crew, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. Um, it strikes me like Disneyland strikes me as like this this ongoing play production. Like it's just like they run it like it's like it's a musical or it's a play, and like everything mm-hmm. there is like a permanent prop of like high caliber. Right. You know, things are yeah. made out of brass and steel, and like you know, and they're going to be there a long time. But they're otherwise a prop. Like it's not. Yeah, like, you know, everything is sort of like when you go on a ride, like everything around that ride is like geared towards it. It's not, they're not reusing elements from other rides. It's like, no, this is the Matterhorn. Like, this has those characters. Nor are they like standardizing things, you know? It seems like every, every ride, every experience is a unique, like, world that you're, that you're in. And like, nothing looks familiar because you've never seen it before. It's all, yeah part of this one yeah, experience it's, it's so great like you go yeah. when you go like i love space mountain the way that you go on this ride and it's like as you enter the building like you leave disneyland and now you're in space right and now you're on the space mountain ride and mm-hmm. like by the time you arrive to get on the roller coaster you're in the like the docking bay of the mothership and you're about to get on a rocket and fly off and do do the thing yeah. in space um and yeah it's it's, it's cool. incredible it is incredible yeah, yeah. Um, it's amazing what they can do yeah um, and they're still doing it. I mean, I haven't been to the new Star Wars land. No, now, I'm actually but, very excited to go see yeah. that. Um, but I hear it's it's the same thing. Like once you cross that threshold, it's like you're in, you are suddenly not on planet Earth anymore. You right. are someplace else. Yeah. And it's it's really, really neat. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a pretty cool, um, it's a pretty cool thing. And uh, I hope, um, <clears throat> I hope people who, maybe have been turned off from Disneyland, like might think twice about that at, at some point. Um, not to like, I like it's terrible. It's super crowded. Don't go. It's overpriced. Like, honestly, right. like I can't, I can't, I can't undersell it more than that. Like it's going to be a miserable experience, but if you can find a time to go when there's like no one there, or it's like an off day, like it is, it's, it is a very, or you find that you have to go anyway, cause you are a parent and you have kids and you're doing that. Like try to, there's something to be appreciated there. Um, you know, yeah, or some other way to kind of take that in, in stride. So yeah, um, I always find it to be like an interesting place to sit and watch 
Oh, it's people, amazing people watching. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and especially like watching kids just run around. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're well, just it's, totally, it's a hugely interactive environment for them. Like everything yeah. about it. There's no point in, at the park that's not geared towards being a child and like experiencing mm-hmm. it. And then like the nice thing about it though, is generally I find they don't leave the parents out of it. It's not right. As an adult, you can go there and have a similar experience. Like you're not excluded yeah. from this experience. If, if you want to, I think that's the thing. Like yeah. be, yeah. be willing to give up some of your, preconceived notions and your um, right you know whatever you don't like about it and yeah and just sort of just go wander around and see some things be in the moment and yeah you know yeah yeah i think that's that's the thing um yeah there was um there was an article i read a while back about this idea of um uh designing happiness or like infusing happiness and joy into the thing that you're designing. Um, and that was, uh, that was the example they gave again was, uh, this example of Disneyland and how, um, there's a, a gateway or a threshold that you cross Uh when you, when you enter the park, give up, you know, you give your ticket and they scan it and you walk through this sort of archway that says, uh, I forget what the quote is, but it's something like you are leaving the world of today and entering the world of, whatever mm-hmm. and um and you cross the threshold and that's that's part of that experience and is like leaving what leaving your world behind you all right. the your job and your whatever crap you have to deal with at home um you cross that threshold and the idea is that you leave all that behind and yeah. now you've entered this completely different world and uh, nothing else matters right you know it's just be in the moment, be in this, this experience that you're happening, you're having now. Yeah. And that, that sort of gateway, that threshold is a key component to allowing people to, to have that experience. That's interesting. Um, yeah. So I always thought that was really interesting. And, yeah. um, and that's actually some of the work that we, we do now, um, is, uh, creating those kinds of gateway signs for communities uh-huh. and, um, uh, cities, you know, there's a big thing with cities now want to have like their, they have a brand and they have a yeah. thing. They want to get that out to their community. So they, they make these big signs, these archways that go over the roads that sort of like the entrance into the city. Oh, okay. And the idea is that like you cross that, en- that gateway or that threshold and it's like, now you're in this new, this new place and it's exciting and you yeah. want to yeah. hang out and like whatever, go shopping and spend I, your money. That's but, actually really, I, I really like that idea. Um, I wouldn't, you know, you talked about doing some artwork together at some mm-hmm. point. Um, I would, maybe we could do some kind of gateway thinking around. Um, Cause well, that is kind of a, like, mm-hmm. it, it can really like set the stage for the next thing that you're going to do. Um, right. And it didn't really like occur to me until just now you kind of bringing that up about how, um, because Disneyland, as you said, like does a very good job of that. Like as you as you enter the park, and then again as you enter the different lands in the mm-hmm. park, um, the transitions are both stark but not startling. Like they're like, nope, now we're doing this thing. Like this is what's coming, and right. um, they really set the stage. Um, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to like kind of put that in a put mm-hmm. that a pin in that as like, hey, like let's come circle back around to that. Mm-hmm. Well, we were talking about um, creating art pieces. For like Burning Man or something, yeah, you know, yeah, like, like next year, if you want to do, um, you know, we could, we should definitely talk around that 
uh, could be an interesting. It could be. It also it gateway also, to something. It, it does occur to me that there's like there's a lot of different variations of that. Like there's the very practical gateway. Like you know, me putting a Christmas wreath on my door or some other. Um, whatever I put around my landing as you come into my house, it's like that indicates what you might expect or it like changes, you know, both my own personal mood as I come in the door. Like, like right now I have, I live a very bachelor lifestyle. It's quite stark. There's white, white, <laughs> empty walls and, you know, hodgepodge it's of minimalist. furniture. Minimalist. Yeah. Um, but um, it occurs to me like uh, design around other products, like, you know, even the book, the cover of it is a kind of gateway to the, you know, to reading the book. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The, you know, I'm talking about the synthesizer. We've talked a little bit about, I've been working on this um, electronic project on the side and, um, you know, as it comes together, it occurs to me when you talk about gateways, it's like what, uh, what people first experience. It's like when you look at it, that is sort of the visual gateway of like, well, it should hopefully represent what I, who I'm going to be as I interact with this device or I enter mm-hmm. the world of this device. And yeah, it does kind of set the stage and people say all the time, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, but we all do. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, impossible it's, not to, I mean, yeah. it's, I, it's certainly good advice because, um, right. You know, it's still want to be open-minded, right? I mean, you know, there's but, twofold, right? I mean, on yeah. the one hand, it's like, don't judge a book by its cover or, or on the other hand, be aware that you do and understand that that may not actually represent the, you know, right. Um, but ideally like, you know, I mean, <clears throat> book covers are weird. Like that's actually kind of a weird area. Cause I'm, a, I'm fully aware that, um, at least in traditional publishing, book cover design is really geared towards selling a book, regardless of the content of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, um, term, there was a science fiction author that he wrote a book and he was actually really upset about how sexualized the cover was. Like it had some like robot with big boobs on it. Right. Like essentially <laughs> like, right. you know, um, sort of, it, it really like really set a very different tone than what the content of his books are, because typically his books were much more like this sort of what I would call like hard science fiction or like leaning towards hard science fiction. And they're not typically, um, sort of the, like, the sort of star Wars end of like, um, science fiction of like big, long, um, epic tales, mm-hmm. right. It was much more like, you know, detailed hard science kind of bending. Right. Right. Um, so it, it is like, you know, he's like, <laughs> definitely don't judge my book by the cover. Like, you know, and he also <laughs> felt like it hurt sales because a lot of his, his audience was like, well, I don't want to be seen in public holding this book with the, you know, or oh, whatever, right. like this sort of trashy novel kind of yeah. impression. Um, so yeah, I mean, book cover design is like a very, very particular category and I'm sure it's like, it's really heavily influenced by, I mean, the number of books I've read where I was like, man, this cover really like misrepresents what's going on here. Um, yeah. So it is, yeah, it is marketing. I think yeah. marketing has a lot to do with it. Um, but it is also like, uh, I, I mean, whether, whether or not you understand that cover may not represent the inside of the book like we're still influenced by yeah that cover i mean yeah and so like you're you're going into this experience with some some kind of preconceived notion and it's right right kind of hard to break that yeah in most cases yeah yeah it's definitely so, yeah yeah um but well and just being aware that it's like regardless of whether we should or shouldn't judge a book by its cover being aware that it is something that happens is going to be an influence on us and how mm-hmm. we define def- like how do we design that cover like what should it look like um, right. You know, just yeah. to kind of 
give context, like the the demo or what or the prototype of the book we've been working on, which is um, it's sort of an art illustrated book um, for uh, in the style of a child's book, a children's book, but for adults. Um, right now, it literally has uh, just text on the front, just a short text of the title. Yeah. Um, so, very. <laughs> it's very unassuming, I suppose. Um, but that's, right. a, I mean, this was like my intentional design when I, when I designed it, I was like, well, because the inside is, is, you know, these illustrations that are, you know, um, childlike, but you know, adult content, it's like, some people might find it very shocking. So I was like, well, I'm just going to make it a real plain <laughs> cover. That's like, very, you know, it, it's intentionally misleading in many ways in my mind. Yeah. Um, but also like this was something I'm showing my friends and not necessarily putting on, on like a counter to be sold somewhere. Um, right. so I don't know, like that's, as we go through revisions, like we're going to have to discuss that and figure out what makes sense and what yeah. should go on the cover and what, how should that be? Yeah. You know, um, yeah. And also realizing what that, um, I mean, just the phrase every time a bell rings kind yeah. of gives you some, it does give you yeah some visions of what this may be about. And right. Maybe that's enough. Yeah. Know? I think it is. Cause I mean, like, I you're going to totally flip that on its head anyway. So <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's better that way. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, that's something we can, we can definitely explore as, as mm-hmm. the, as that unfolds. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, so that the gateway design, I really like, I think that's kind of interesting, like an interesting aspect of environmental design as we've been talking about, um, it seems mm-hmm. like in this episode. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I think there's, um, certainly like that scales in lots of different directions. I suppose I've kind of stretched it a lot to kind of go to like book cover design. I mean, there's some fundamental relationship there, but there's also like a practical environmental design of gateway design where we're talking more about like doorways and entrances to like events or entrances Mm -hmm. to people's houses or entrances to parks or buildings or, or a restaurant or or a restaurant shops or yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, that's the thing we sort of struggle with every time that we have one of these projects where we have to come up with a gateway design. It's yeah. like, um, how can you distill the entire uh, experience that someone is about to have by crossing this thing into this thing? Um, and um, not to say that, like, we always feel like we have to do that, but it's like, you know, I mean, it goes back to the the, the book cover again. Like, how do you distill everything this book is about right, into one right. image that's going to like say it all. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's hard. <laughs> you know, it's kind of the same, yeah. the same sort of thing. And so sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes we either try to say it all mm-hmm. or say none of it at all and just let the experience happen as someone um, has it, you know, as they, they cross this gateway, like, like the one at Disneyland actually is just so incredibly simple. It's, it's just a bridge. I think the train, goes over the this bridge the, or the train the, there's both right I think there's, there's like more, the I little think train, the train that goes yes, the, the train edge. yep uh-huh. yeah so it's just like a brick uh bridge yeah for the train but then there's this tiny little plaque right in the middle that just says that thing like you now leave tomorrow or leave today and enter tomorrow or something like that i don't know yeah um but that's kind of it and right like, right and that that's all you need really i mean if you stand and, and read that and think for a moment and yeah you know, yeah, um, uh, yeah. So sometimes the simple thing is is, is all it, you yeah, really all need, you, right? Yeah, right. yeah. Just to sort of get, I don't know. You just sort of get people thinking, and then by that 
act of crossing, they're already, you know, they're already open-minded about what's about to happen. And so then the experiences right, becomes that much right. more fulfilling. Right. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, it's almost like when you don't know what to expect, but you're open to whatever it is. Yeah. Then it's almost like that thing becomes even more enjoyable. Sure. Because you had no, you weren't let down by anything you thought was about to happen. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I like that. It's so, pretty cool. I don't know. To go a little too far on. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, you know, we just, like I want to, I want to get like your thoughts on like, you know, yeah. I mean, that's a good example of like what you're trying to get across is like how impactful that can be. Yeah. Um, you know, both with like what the intention is and, and, you know, in reality, I mean, Disneyland, whether you agree with it or not, it's, it's a hugely successful theme park. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's busier than ever, as far as I know. I mean, financially, I don't know, but from a design point of view, it certainly has managed to pull in crowds and crowds for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, like if we're designing our own products, I mean, that's like, if you're making something at home or you're doing whatever you're working on, like that's kind of usually most people's goal is to have some appeal, like mass appeal and mass effect in the direction that you're hoping for, mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever your outcome that you're looking for. But like for me, it's like, I'd like as many people as possible to buy this book, or I'd like as many people who are interested to be listening to this podcast. So, you know, I want to design it around that in mind, like, you know, the mm -hmm. gateway, like, you know, our website being a main gateway to this podcast, at, le at least at this point, we don't have any other advertising. So it's like, right. you know, I want that to be, um, <clears throat> I don't want, you know, I want it to be attractive. And then I also want it to be, help people get in the right frame of mind to listen to the podcast. Like I didn't really think mm -hmm. about it in that terms. It's one, like in one way I might create it where it's like, it should tell you what to expect. But on the other hand, maybe what I should do is be like, Hey, you might enjoy this more if you are feeling or thinking this way, mm -hmm. you know, like be influenced, it'd be a little bit of an influence on you. Like, Hey, why don't you drop your expectations and listen to this podcast for a little bit rather than, you know, thinking you're coming here to listen to a podcast about design ostensibly, but actually <laughs> what it's really about is some people rambling on about their lives and their, you know, the particular <laughs> things that they're interested in or, you know, whatever it is in between. But right. like, you know, the idea basically being that, um, you know, it might make sense to like, you know, a lot of our art might be more about like, Hey, like this is how it will be more enjoyable to you. Like, you know, this is what, this is what we're doing here. Right. Mm -hmm. And not just like, this is what, what you should expect, but this is what we expect of you or like, you know, Hey, if this right. is how you're thinking, then you may find that this will be more enjoyable or I don't know. Yeah. That kind yeah. of, like you said, like, you know, leave your past, leave, leave everything out there and come in here and, and be open-minded to this other experience. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 And part of that is just not giving them anything at all. I mean, just sort of leaving it open and being sure, like, yeah. like, Hey, not, like, yeah. don't think about this too much. Just listen to it. Right. And right. if you like it, cool. If you don't, yeah. then, um, maybe yeah. come back later and try again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that in mind, like, are we, you know, having that microwave, like, are we overselling it? Like if we have a microwave and a creep, it's like, well, I know what I'm getting into over there. It's going to have something to do with microwaves and something to do with, with creeps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously that's, you know, it, I, I think a lot of times with design too, like you can way overthink it. Um, oh yeah. Which is, yeah. which is hilarious to observe. But it's not very successful. Right. Like watching someone like, or, you know, or watching myself, like, especially like looking back and being like, man, I really overthought that way too much. <laughs> There's been some, um, like some software products that I've, or some, some work in software that I've done where it was like, 
I, I kind of got pushed into a corner where I was like, man, I'm really overthinking this. And it took me a while to realize that I'd way overthought everything. Um, mm -hmm. and that happens for lots of different reasons. You know, partly it happens like, you know, for me, like at the time it was more about inexperience and not realizing that, um, that the scope of the project was a lot more limited than I was being told, you know, like you oftentimes like you're kind of when, especially right. when you're first starting out, you're just like, this is going to be amazing. And you, you're already kind of comparing it to some other thing that you've been thinking about or mm -hmm. like, you know, and it's really easy to like really like expand the scope of it. And then when you have clients who are not good at limiting scope there, they want to go down that garden path with you. And the next thing you know, you have, you know, you've got a blender that sails in the ocean. Like it's just not, <laughs> you know, it's not a real practical device. And then you've spent way more time developing this like pretty intricate sailboat around basically a blender chassis. That's like basically right. designed to sit on a kitchen counter somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's not, it's, it's like part, you know, experience helps with that, obviously being like, Oh, Hey, I recognize already where this project is probably going to end up. And we need to like narrow, narrow, narrow and not be expanding and not being, you know, creating more, mm -hmm. more feature and more, you know, um, more aspects to it that it really is well outside its actual domain of operation. Um, yeah. Well, that's the thing to like, um, have one good idea instead of yeah. like four or five mediocre ideas that you're sure. trying to cram together into one right, product. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like, you know, focusing on that one thing and making it the best thing it can be in that direction, um, in yeah. that direction. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean that, I, that happens all the time. I mean, I do that when I'm working too. I, I'll have a good idea and I'll start working on it and be like, Oh, well, what if it had this thing or what if it also did this? And yeah. then yeah. you have to sort of stop myself and be like, no, this is getting crazy. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 It's hard. It's hard though to do that. Yeah. And you have all these great ideas and you want to shove them all into one thing. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. When instead you can have like several different good things that are you know, different products, but, um, yeah, but they're all good in their own way. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, um, you know, that's kind of, it's, it's an iterative process and, um, right. You know, I mean, yeah, like, I, I mean, even this podcast, like I've talked about it many, many times at this point, well, probably all of three times, I don't know, however many times <laughs> I'm sure I'll continue to talk about it because it's the thing we're working on. But, um, like I think about, um, how, how people experience it, like what their experience is. And I try to think about like what, like what I would take from it. Like if I was listening to this conversation as someone who didn't know either of us other than through the context of having listened to the podcast, um, mm -hmm. like what, you know, what, what does it provide? And I think about like the podcast I listen to and I, I imagine like I try to put myself in the, in the position of like a listener and like what their experience is. And like, um, I think about like the times when I've just been like, no, like I want to shout at the podcasters and be like, no, you forgot this thing or, you know, Hey, like what about this or whatever it is. And, um, you know, but then I also think about how it's actually like speaking of creative processes and finding things that like inspire you, like podcasts are oftentimes like a huge source of inspiration for me because oftentimes when I'm listening to other people talk around a topic or talk over, um, particular things that they're thinking about, um, even when they're not particularly like being like, um, 
extensively representative or like exhaustively representative of that particular topic. They're just kind of brushing on it like, oh, you know, hey, we're like right now, we're not, this is not an exhaustive discussion of environmental design by any means. Like this is like, mm-hmm. but um, I think about when I listen to this podcast and it's like the same kind of thing. It's like, oh, but then I start to think about that. And I have my own ideas and it gets me all excited. And it's like, like, like happened to me, like you brought it up. Mm. And then I started thinking about like how that might apply to products that I'm working on or things that mm. projects that I'm already kind of currently working on. And it's like, Oh, I've never really even considered what it means to, um, like first, first impression to my customer or first mm-hmm. impression to my users and be like, Hey, like you're about to use my product. Or you're about to experience this product. Like, here's a gateway that I might want to put up to either help you be prepared for the experience that I'm trying to provide. Right. Um, you know, it's like, I've thought about it in other terms in the sense that I think about it, it's like, well, there's a first time they're going to use it and there's a, you know, and, and this is what I ultimately want them to be doing. But really specifically mm-hmm. like having that concept of like um, a gateway, even if it's not really an arch or even a gate or even a door, but that first impression and that first, like, you know, where do you come into it? Where do you start and what that experience is like, it's Mm -hmm. inspiring. And so I think about like, in terms of, um, our podcast that we're working on, like, how does that, you know, like, you know, how, what's the, what's the user experience? Like, what's the, what are the listeners thinking about right now? And like, how would they, you know, how do they have ways to communicate with us? Like we'll have Twitter, you know, we have Twitter set up and we've got Instagram and we'll probably have, um, possibly not Facebook if we can avoid it, but we'll see how it goes. Um, it may, may be unavoidable. It may be, I mean, it'll probably be unavoidable, but you know, we'll probably have like a couple outlets and, and make sure there's ways for people to like be, be outraged and you know, ex- <laughs> express their, pick up their pitchforks. Pitch, and their yeah. I mean, places, and... places to poke their pitchforks for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, there's one thing about the internet is like, you just don't read the comments, right? Like you just, you know, not to read right. the comments, like don't read the comments. Right. <laughs> I weirdly, I think that's getting better. I get the impression. Is it? I don't know if I'm just like the content that I'm exposed, like the content I'm reading, like looking at is more specific now. Mm. Um, but I've noticed that, uh, there are less trolls and there's less. Yeah. Or it's just less, um, it's less effective and, or Mm. it's like people, you know, cause I mean, I imagine like anytime you're saying something like particularly like shitty to, you know, about somebody else, or you're like directing like some, like, particularly abrasive comment at somebody um or trying to express your like particularly bigoted vision of the world or like trying to like get your hate speech out there so other people can know how much you hate something right um i think i think if people are like less reactive to it it's less you just don't Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't bring up as much i don't see the like the extensive like dialogues going around people being upset about stuff and yeah um, yeah maybe i'm just not looking in the right places or I'm not, I mean, for sure. in our current political and climate or our current (laughs) political climate, there are plenty of people who are very upset about things and maybe they're just being more like, maybe I'm just better at avoiding those communities and I'm not like even like wading into them anymore. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, um, no, I I think you're right. I think, um, the reactions to it are less these days because it's, it's been around for so long. Like internet trolls have been, Right, it's almost uh, expected. Been doing I mean, I keep thing. joking about it. Like I'm just waiting. Right. Like we better have some place for them to be upset at us about. <laughs> like you know, like. Um. Uh, but yeah, I think. Um, I mean, it's like it's like that bully at, at school, right? If 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 you're getting called out for something and and you just don't respond, then that 
that is the best way to fight it. Right. It um, kind of loses its impact if, yeah. if we're, if we're all get on with our lives and are, we aren't like all stop and turn around and keep reading the negative comments and then be yeah. upset about it and talking about it. And yeah. Yeah. Maybe people are responding less these days. Yeah. Although, uh, I don't know. On on Facebook, sometimes it doesn't seem to be the case. <laughs> yeah, you know, it does occur to me that maybe the way I'm, the reason I'm feeling that is like I have not been on Facebook for over a year. That might have something to do with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and there are less uh, like there are. I, th- I feel like there are less places, less comment sections on websites these days. Yeah, for that reason. Right, right. Um, so you really don't see it as much anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly in in some of the groups I've stumbled upon in Facebook. Um, especially the more political ones. Uh, you open up that comment section and you're just like, whoa, uh-huh. whoa, right. whoa. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to close that and uh, go someplace else now. <laughs> sure. Right. It's like, hang on, hang on. This yeah. wasn't what I signed up Where for. did that come from? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly it's still out there, but, but yeah, maybe it's mitigated a little bit more these days with uh-huh. uh, right. uh, people trying to avoid it as much as they can. Yeah. Uh, in, in most cases. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, anyway, it's been a pleasure like working on this with you and, and having yeah. this discussion. And um, I wouldn't mind fun. like, you know, maybe writing up a more rigorous, like, Hey, like let's discuss some topics and maybe do a few more yeah. um, at some point. Yeah. Um, let's do it. I've, I've had a lot of, a lot of design things in my head um, last couple of years. I feel like, like when you're first starting in your career, yeah. you kind of are just sort of going through the motions because you're learning and you're trying to figure it out and you sure. don't really know what's happening. Right. Um, I feel like I'm starting to get to that point in my career where I just start to think more broadly about what I'm doing and how it affects the world and um, start to come up with some some pretty interesting ideas of how yeah. all this works. Right. Uh, not that I think my ideas are particularly interesting, well, but I think like, um, I, you know, for the purposes of like discussing it on this podcast, like I, I think the failed ideas are almost better than the successful ones. Like it's sure. It, like yeah. being able to talk about it. Um, I'm like, my hope is to like discuss like what you're thinking. Like why, why did you do that stupid thing? And why, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, why, why would you do that? Oh, right. Because at the time, this is why I was, you know, I was standing here thinking like in this like really weird, narrow view of this particular thing. And then it led to this and now I'm here. And, you know, obviously in hindsight, it's like, that's all terrible, Mm -hmm. but it is, it is a learning experience. I mean, it's a learning experience. It's also part of the process of like, um, just even learning how to communicate that and like look at it and like re reanalyze and like, and put that in words and talk about and communicate with someone else and say, Hey, you know, I had this great idea that I thought I would follow through with. And I, you know, and I got to this point and I realized that, you know, um, giving people a blindfold before they try to read my book is like really counterproductive. But at the time it seemed cool because, you know, being blindfolded meant that your senses were reduced and you have this other experience. And I didn't realize, I mean, mm-hmm. it seems obvious now, but at the time I wasn't really <laughs> thinking that people need their eyes to read the words, you know, whatever right. it is. Um, and so discussing that is always like, uh, I think interest, I, I hope interesting. I think it's interesting. It's the kind of thing I like to listen to. I like to hear what other people have to say about their thought process. Yeah. Um, regardless of the out, I mean, the outcome is important, but it doesn't, it's too late now. The outcome happened. It's all fine. We all know that the, you know, the blindfolded reader was a bad idea. Right. Right. But yeah, 
in hindsight, <laughs> it's really interesting. Like, how did we get there? Like, what were we thinking? Like, why did we choose blindfolds that are, you know, that particular color? And it doesn't yeah. really matter because they still can't see. You know? Yeah. Well, that's a, I mean, that's still an extremely important part of the design process. Yeah. And obviously, like, the failures are yeah. probably the most important thing about design. I mean, it's part right. of the iterative process. Like, you have to fail at something to understand why uh that's not going to work and why this other thing should be better and that's how right. we make better products because right. they the you know bad ones fail right right um and so yeah i mean i i'm always uh uh in my classes you know i'm always trying to i may not say it to my students but i'm always like encouraging them to you know try something and if it doesn't work then uh then that just means you try something else right you know and then you've learned something and you know that's not going to work Right. So I think it makes you a better designer. The more right. you, the more you fail, I think the better designer you become. Yeah. Yeah, in the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think that applies to a lot of things. It's it's hard mm-hmm. to it It's hard to like I I don't think that's always true. Um in the sense that it, I think there's a caveat of like it you need to have a feedback process that allows you to grow from those failures. Like you can't just be banging your head against the wall for the rest of your life because you want to get through the wall. At some point you need to be like, okay, I need a pickaxe or I need like a sledgehammer. And now I'm making way more progress banging against the wall. Like you need to be like, okay, I banged my head against the wall a couple times. That was totally a failure. I'm readjusting and relearning rather than like, Mm -hmm. I I think, I mean, I think that's like fairly self-evident and most people realize that, but sometimes I think it's important to kind of point out that Mm -hmm. the, you know, part of that failure is, is the learning from it. Like right. that's a real critical yeah. part of it. <laughs> yeah, it's not just right. like go out there and fail, just like fail. go out there yeah. and learn from your failures and have as yeah. many of them as you need and don't feel bad. Like, like have more of them. Great. Like, especially that learning part of it, you know, and if you can't learn from a failure, that's okay too. Just don't keep doing it, hoping you're going to learn from it the same way. Like try to, right. you know, try to fix yeah. that part, you know? Um, right. I, I don't know. I mean, that's in a lot of my software development, like that's a big part of it. It's like, you know, I write the same line of code 15 different ways until it actually works. And, um, but you have to then be able to understand like why that previous code didn't work. Right. Right. And, and yeah. And, and yeah. how to, right. Cause those failures, it. like being like, Oh, those failures really helped me get to that piece of code that actually worked. Right. Um, but if I just kind of kept like, you know, what is it? A thousand monkeys type, you know, or what is it? A million monkeys produce the work of Shakespeare given enough time or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and typewriters, right. monkeys and typewriters right. and Shakespeare. I don't know. The, the right. Actual, right. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, there, that is a, that is a theoretically valid approach to, to creation of, you know, to creating specific kinds of work. Um, yeah. it's, it's fairly inefficient. Um, it's a lot of, right. a lot of monkey man hours, man hours, monkey hours. I don't know. Anyway, it's, you know, um, uh, ape hours. Ape hours. Yes. <laughs> right. I think they were apes. Yeah. Anyway. Um, no, that's true. I think, um, yeah, yeah. You have to learn from those mistakes and right. you can't just, you can't just go through the mistakes and then and then not understand why it didn't fail, right? Because then you really don't learn anything. <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah. There, you'd have to have that feedback, right? Feedback process and, right. and be able to analyze, analyze yourself, yeah, and analyze what went wrong, right? Right. Um, that was actually something I was gonna, <clears throat> you know, when you were like, "Well, what are we gonna talk about?" One of the things, <laughs> one of the things I was gonna bring up is. Um, you know, I have my, um, 
my workflow processes I do for software development or really like, you know, even when I'm working on the synthesizer, which is, it's a little bit of electronics and a lot of software, right? That was mm-hmm. kind of the way I waited. It's like, I'm, I, I haven't done electronics in a long time, but it's enough. Like I know how to get to the hardware portion of it. And now I'm setting myself up to write a lot of software essentially, or the bulk of the product mm. is a software thing. And, um, I have my, I have my workflow process that, um, is based around having a really quick feedback loop and having that feedback be very verbose. Like it lets me know really everything about the problem that's going on. Like I'm saying, Hey, I want to go in this direction. And then the feedback is saying, well, what the way you're going at that is not working. And this is why. Um, right. And so I'm always curious how in other design things, like when we're working on this book, um, I only have myself really like I, it's why, like it's why I'm like, Hey, look at this book. What do you think? Because right. the only other feedback <laughs> I can get is from someone else. And that's, it's, it's so, it's such a different kind of feedback that I'm used to. Like with a computer, I, I can tailor that feedback and it's also very discreet and very particular. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, it can be, you know, a huge memory dump saying, Hey, here's all the problems like with the, you know, the code that you just wrote and everything that's going on. And, and there's not much more to say about it because it's so detailed. Um, right. but in a more like a more subjective experience where it's like, well, what do you think about this book? Like I, like I like it. I'm mm-hmm. proud of it. I think it's funny. And you're like, well, it's disturbing. And then I have to determine whether, <laughs> whether disturbing whether with that, <laughs> whether I can live with that or more. Yeah. Or whether is that the effect I want? Do I want right. to change it? And how do I? And, and so I'm just curious, like, you know, you working in a field where a lot of, I don't, I, you know, as you talked about, I mean, there's certain, um, <clears throat> regulations you have to meet. And like you said, there's a lot of engineering involved so that your safety signs don't fall over and kill people. Right. Um, so that your safety <laughs> signs are safe. Uh, but it's, I, I'm, I'm just curious, like there are certain points where you're just like, well, this is very subjective. Like, how do you, how, um, do you have like a process in place that's specifically geared towards feedback, say from your clients or from like, how do you measure a success of a project like that? And where, where is your feedback for that? I'm just curious what you think. about. Yeah, that. it's, um, uh, well, we, we have, we have built into our process of, uh, feedback from the client. Okay, um, and sure. there's multiple times that we go back to the client and kind of, uh, talk to them about how they feel about, the design what they think about it um but then we also have to sort of take what they say Uh and realizing that they're not designers and they may not understand exactly what we're trying to do and how it's going to work right because they're not designers and they they sometimes a non-designer has a hard time in envisioning what something may look like in the future sure um so we have to kind of take their feedback and sort of analyze it and determine what exactly it is that they don't like or don't understand about it. And then we can go back and try to either tailor the way that we present it or tailor the way, tailor the thing that we're presenting, uh-huh. um, to more match what their expectations are. Um, right, right. So there is, there is that thing. And obviously, you know, clients may not understand the design of it, but they also, clients also understand themselves and understand their audiences. At least we'd, we'd hope so, um, more than we do. So sure. Um, that's part of it too, is trying to understand what they, uh, uh, trying to get what the client knows 
and use that as part right, of like our extracting feedback. That. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, that's part of it. But then also internally we have our own, uh, you know, we have several designers that work in our office. And so I may be working on something and, um, if I'm sort of at a point where I think it's okay, this looks like it might be working. I may turn around and go to one of my other designers that may not even be working on the project to be like, Hey, can you, you know nothing about this, but what do you think about it? You know, and to right, sort of get right. like a gut reaction. Right. Uh, right. Um, I find that sometimes <clears throat> it's like the most valuable feedback. Yeah. Like I, sometimes I bring things to like my friends or family or just whoever, like some random person on the street. And I'm like, I mean, <laughs> usually not that level of, of, uh, disassociation from right. my, the project. But, um, <clears throat> and like, I often, I often hear from people like, well, I don't, how can I help you? Like, I don't know anything about this. Like, I'm not going to be very helpful. And I'm like, that's, that is the point. Right. Like, I want you to just listen to what I'm telling you and then just give me that feedback based on, you know, either your experience, your very initial experience or, um, you know, given these facts that you don't need to know whether they're true or not, it's just given if the supposition that, that what I'm saying mm -hmm. is true, then how do you reason out whether this is going to work or whether this is a right, the right way to do it or something like that? Um, cause that, right. that can be valuable in and of itself because then I can go back and like evaluate whether like they're not in a position to determine whether, you know, some of these technical technical details are, are valuable or not, or whether they're the mm -hmm. right way. But, um, I can just say like postulate, it's like, well, given these parameters and then, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think that is really valuable, especially for work that's going to be, uh, be out there and and be in like the general public use, you right. know, or like right. like the kind of work that we do with signage. Like, obviously, anybody can come across a sign, and anybody is going to need, you know, potentially need the sign to yeah. be useful. Right. So, right. Um, that audience is pretty wide. Yeah, and like being able to go up to some random person and be like. Hey, what do you think about this without saying anything else? Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, that's really valuable because yeah. that's how someone's going to experience it in right, the right. environment. So, um, yeah, it's, it's actually sometimes helpful to come up to people and, and not give them any context at all. You know, I mean, even, and that's sort of what we do when we, when we present things to clients, we'll sometimes try to embellish it a little bit with, you know, try to sell the idea a little bit more because we think it's the right idea. Right. Um, right. But sometimes that can be bad because, you know, we're sort of uh, you embellishing the design them. with yeah, too much. Like that, you're pushing them in a direction that maybe like you're not fully understanding or. Right. Yeah. And their their gut reaction, if it's negative, yeah. could be really valuable to us to understand. Right. Right. Like why was their gut reaction so bad? Right. Um, even after we tried to explain it so eloquently and right, uh, right. fluffy. <laughs> yeah. Even as you, yeah, you got the, uh, the real smarmy salesman salesman in there and really like right. buttered them up. It still didn't go over well. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have that, you know, when I'm working with my own clients, like in software development, like, I mean that, that aspect of it is, is very much the same. And I'm always trying to be very careful not to push them down a path that is what I think is the right way to go. Um, mm -hmm even if I don't necessarily agree with, like, I don't always know, you know, um, it's, it's a hard fine line. Like it's just, you can't, you can't do either to the extreme because if they're left to their own devices, they're never going to get what they're going to be happy with. That's why they right. hired a software developer because they don't know. 
Right. Um, but on the other hand, like if I'm someone who walks in and it's like, I just, every time, every time someone wants something from me, I just give them basically the same version of some glorified accounting software. Um, I mean, weirdly, that's almost always the case, but, um, <laughs> sometimes it's what they need, but yeah, I mean, it's like, it's mostly what people are asking for, but the reality is, is it's like, I need to be very sensitive to like their work process and be aware mm-hmm. that that's what they're, they're attempting to do. And just because I think there might be a more efficient way, I don't, they're not paying me and it's not reasonable depending on the size of the operation I'm working toward, like working on. Um, I, I can't always know all of the things. Right. You know, I'm just one person and it, and it, you know, we always like work very hard at the beginning to like, make sure most things are uncovered. And then we have some like iterative processes. And mm-hmm. like you said, like you kind of go through the design process with them where you get some feedback and you try to, you know, you might right. say, Hey, like, you know, can I try and sell you on this idea? I think this might really help you. Like, let me like explain it a little bit more. And sometimes mm-hmm. that goes over really well. And sometimes, like you said, it's important to know, like, why are they so upset about it? Like, right. what, you know, what, what was so wrong about this so that right. I can know better, like understand their process better. Um, yeah. yeah. And you realize it was just cause they didn't like a certain color, but right. I mean, that's, <laughs> and that's why it's always so maddening too. And why I ask, like, you know, when I'm working on the software in a vac, like not per se in a vacuum, but like when I'm working on it by myself and I'm, you know, my requirements are well, you know, lined up, it's like my, my, my feedback loop with the computer is very clear and cut and dried and like really mm-hmm. rapid. Um, but then when you get to that, that other part of anything where you're working with a client or, you know, just any, a friend or anybody else. And it's like, their feedback is like very subjective and like, what do they mm-hmm. like? What do they not like? And it's, and sometimes they don't realize that it's just that color. Right. I've, the number of times I've presented an interface and been like, Hey, you know, what do you, you know, like, like going through it and like, they're just, they're just upset about everything. And I'm right. just like, man, I really like didn't hit any of these. Like, but you need these features. You specifically asked for them. They're like, well, I just don't like it. It's just not right. Like, you know, and they're just very upset. And then later, I'm, you know, I go back and rework it and I'm like, man, I, yeah, I think I'm just going to change these colors just to make sure, you know, like a lot <laughs> Maybe of I shouldn't times, have made it bright pink. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like what I'll do is usually like change a color palette a lot just to very distinguish, like that we're now mm-hmm. looking at a new version of it, even if a lot of it's the same. And oh, right. then sometimes it's like, Oh, I just changed the color palette, you know, and we went from like a lot of blues. Now we're in the, like the oranges or greens or whatever that matches mm-hmm. some other thing, you know, like I, I always try for me. Um, graphic, you know, user interface design. Like I, it's usually very, um, uh, practical. Like it's not very, right. um, you know, it doesn't usually have a lot of flourish. It's just sort of like, mm-hmm. I try to kind of kind of high contrast, make sure it's like, you know, I try to find like, I'll look online and be like, what are some latest design principles around U- UIs? And then just kind of stick to that and like kind of stick to a guide and then, mm-hmm. and then color the color palette to match what their existing sort of interfaces look like so that it doesn't, A, it's not jarring to users, B, like look at what other interfaces they're using and be like, okay, they're always putting their like, the, mm-hmm. you know, a big one is to. like, is your, is your positive and negative button, you know, usually is a combo, right? Like an okay or cancel button, like which one's first can't the, the okay or the cancel. Oh, you know, right. and, and then yeah. I look at their existing soft, their existing workflows and make sure that I follow whatever that is, regardless of what the recommended design thing is now. It's like, nope, yeah. they always have okay on the right and cancel on the left for their other software. I'm doing that because right. that's unfair to them that they have to switch. Yeah. And then get into a different mindset. But I digress. The point right. being is like, I don't do a lot in the user interface stuff other than just being like, you know, keep it, keep it clean and tidy Simple. for what, yeah, keep it simple. Make sure, make sure it does. It's functional. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, 
but then when I have these situations where it's like just changing the color palette makes a huge difference because it's like, Oh, turns out that that guy or that, that person was just like really upset because they just, whatever color it was like really rubbed them the wrong way. Um, early on, like I, when I was first doing that, um, I didn't have like, there's really great tools online now to like pick color palettes that are like, you can make sure that it's ADA accessible, especially like color blindness and stuff. And someone who's like, I'm not extremely colorblind, but for sure, like red and green, like can be, you know, a little tough. Like I'm Mm. classically male colorblind, right? Like whatever the, I'm sure I fall right in the norm of whatever that is. I forget what it is, dichromic or whatever or something or yeah, I don't, I don't know what it's called. It doesn't right. matter. Anyway, um, <laughs> some user can put a comment somewhere in some comment section, yeah. section and call me an idiot. I will, I'll, I'll appreciate that. Um, but the but the we're learning point, we're learning yeah, here. But my point was like early on, um, I learned pretty quickly that I was like, oh, like you know, just be, like my color blindness means that I see colors like a little bit differently, and so when I design UIs, they have a particular. Um, if I'm not careful, they can be kind of bad Mm. because they look perfectly fine to me, but I don't realize that like there's a particular hue that's like a lot more glaring than it looks like to me. Like, you know? Right. Um, and so I've always tried to be like, Oh, I'll just do a color picker and be like, Oh, these look good. Like this is the, these are the oranges and blues that everybody likes, or these are the, you know, Mm. whatever the browns and greens or, you know, whatever the thing is, um, whatever fits their, whatever fits their style guide for that particular company. Um, and then, then it's fine, you know, but again, it's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's weird how getting like human feedback versus like a nice verbose, like computer spit out of like the memory dump is like a very different world. Right. (laughs) Very, very different world. Yeah. Sometimes similar. I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's like. That's, you know, speaking of like just getting yourself in the right mindset, like you go into a meeting like that in a bad mood and I'm like, man, I was not prepared to like accept this very graciously. Right. <laughs> and it's unfortunate because it's like they're being very detailed about what's wrong and it's valuable. And like, as I get old, like as I got older and I work with more clients and like experience, like that happens, like that's always like, I'm way more excited about that. I'm like, oh, you have a lot right. to say about this. Please tell me more. Yeah. You know, and sometimes like. Um, the best, like the best situation is someone who's like pretty impartial, like in the sense that they're, they don't care if they hurt my feelings, but they're not also like looking to assert themselves as like the big dog in the room. They're just being right. very practical about it. That's always, and the they just situation. want to be the best. Yeah. They're just like, we just want to be, be the best it can be. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, typically like the worst are like male MBAs. Like they're the ones who just like, they think that that's what they're doing, but what they're actually doing is just asserting like some weird perceived like dominance that doesn't really exist. Oh, right. Cause I'm a contractor. So it doesn't matter to me. Like right. I have no bearing. Like I, your, your growth in this company or any of it has nothing to do with me. Like, I don't really care. Like, you know, there's a lot of contracts out there. Like if you're, if you want to stop right now, that's fine. Like, yeah. But you don't need to like stomp on me. Like that's not right. helping anybody, um, <laughs> including yourself. Right. Cause like, you're the only one, like this is your project. So like, let's make it the best it can be. Um, right. Right. But, but they don't realize it in the moment. Yeah, no. And then they're just kind of, you know, they just want to like do whatever they're doing. And yeah, but jerks yeah jerks right exactly <laughs> um, anyway that's a i feel like that's a off-topic kind of ramble uh, anyway that's, that's another podcast that's another podcast yeah let's uh yeah anyway um i don't know i feel like we've we've covered a lot of ground it's been you want to you want to wrap up you got sure last i'm good points of wisdom uh 
No, no, this is where we do good. like a plug. So like next week we're going to be like, right. you know, in Minneapolis doing a live show, at the, you know, wherever. Um, make sure you Remember guys some look. famous place. In yeah. Some famous place. Yeah. Um, yeah. With some Meg famous were, person. If, if Meg were here, she'd be like, well, actually, right. Um, <laughs> got this great idea. Got this great idea. Uh, yeah. So, um, anyway, thanks for listening. And, uh, man, you guys were champs if you made it all the way to the end, about, <laughs> about an hour and 10 minutes into it. So, um, think we'll call it good uh, good job yeah, yeah. Good job. all right thanks thank you very much thank you okay yep. okay bye thank you bye